Father, we thank you for your word and for the way that you encourage us through that word. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would be powerfully working in our minds and our hearts this morning, changing us, shaping us to you. I pray that you would show us your truth and uh, that we would uh, just be more in love with you through your word this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're reading from Mark chapter 10, and we're going from verses 1 to 16. Um, I'm pretty sure I've got the ESV version, if you want to put that up. So, Mark 10, uh, verses 1 to 16. And he, that's Jesus, left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. And crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment. And from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And in the house of the disciples, sorry, in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them into his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Okay, we, we'll uh, begin by the, the start bit. And uh, the Pharisees came to Jesus with a question about divorce. Uh, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Uh, the Pharisees quoted a text, well, sort of quoted a text from Deuteronomy because, you see, the Pharisees in that era all agreed that divorce was uh, permitted, allowed, uh, as according to Deuteronomy 24. Now, I'm going to read that part just so we get an understanding of this. Deuteronomy 24.1 says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, if, he then finds no, sorry, if she then finds no favour in his eyes because... He has found some indecency in her and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of the house and she departs out of his house. And if she goes and becomes another man's wife and the latter man hates her and writes a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of the house, or if the latter man dies who took her to be his wife, then the former husband who sent her away may not take her again to be his wife after she has been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord. 
and you shall not bring sin upon the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Okay, that's a complex verse, you would agree. If this uh, man divorces his wife and then he goes, she marries again, she, she can't come back to the first one and uh, that brings defilement on the Lord. The way that the, the Pharisees took this verse was that it's okay for divorce. That they may, uh, you may present a certificate to your wife and um, divorce them. That's how the Pharisees understood it. In fact, um, when um, Jesus, uh, sorry, uh, when in Matthew, this same event, it's, the Pharisees say, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Or in the NIV, for any and every reason? Can you divorce for anything? Which is, to be honest, the way the Pharisees lived is very much the way our culture is now. Uh, do, you, do you understand that? Now, uh, where are we up to? If she finds no indecency in her, was the thing that the Pharisees argued. What does that mean? Does it mean she's committed adultery? Or a, a lot of them said, if she either, if your wife either annoys or embarrasses you, you can divorce her. <laughs> okay. I don't think that needs any commentary. Uh, like, if you find any excuse, you may divorce her. Okay, so as you can imagine, actually in Jesus' era and with the people of God, there was a lot of divorce. And the people claimed it as being okay, even uh, a command. Like, if you really push the issue, you could say this, well, if my wife annoys me, it would be wrong before God dishonouring him if I didn't divorce her. Right. Okay. Now, you might think the Pharisees are really wanting an answer on this question. That's why they're coming to ask Jesus. What does this law mean? But we're told, and the Pharisees came up in order to test him. Okay, they didn't want to know anything. They wanted to prove him wrong. They were trying to catch him out. In fact, they had a very good reason of using this to catch him out because, you know, they, didn't, they weren't happy with Jesus. And that is because this is what got John the Baptist beheaded. Did you know that? John the, John the Baptist had pointed out to King uh, Herod, who was anti, Herod Antipas, that his wife Herodias, who had left his brother Philip and, uh, and then gone with him, deserted her husband, but she gave him a letter of separation. Uh, he said that that was wrong and that's what... John the Baptist was killed for. So it's a good question to ask Jesus, isn't it? If you can get him on that, maybe Herod will deal with it with Jesus the same way and get him out the way. So Jesus answered them, what did Moses command you? Uh, is there any command of Moses about marriage? Well, actually there is, but it's not about divorce. Jesus didn't command anything about divorce. And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. Now, that Moses' law was particularly, if you think about it, was actually for the protection of the wife. 
If she was given a certificate of divorce, that meant she could legally marry another, which was really important in that era uh, because an unmarried woman is in danger. So she needed to be free to remarry for her protection. That's not saying the law is saying it's a good thing. It's just saying the law is a law. Even in Australia, even the, you know, we, we, in the 1970s, we got no-fault divorce laws. Some of you would remember that. Um, that means you could divorce if there was no adultery. But even those were illegal protection. It wasn't the government saying, we think divorce is great. It was just saying women need, well, particularly in, even in that era, women need protection because if the bloke's been earning all the money and then he divorces her, she actually needs some financial stability because she'll probably get left with the kids. It's not saying, hey, divorce is great, isn't it? Do you understand that? And Jesus says that straight away. He says, Jesus said, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. Okay, what's that meaning? Because there's sin in the world, because of human sinfulness, there needed to be divorce laws. That means divorce is tolerated, not encouraged. That's pretty plain, isn't it? There needs to be a provision because it is a fact. Because in a world of sin, there is uh, going to be relationship breakdown. That doesn't make it good or right. That doesn't even make it neutral. It just makes it a fact. Okay. So in a world of sin, there will be such things as divorce. Jesus goes on, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Okay. So the, the Deuteronomy 24 was like a provision because of, because of the way things uh, go wrong because of evil and sin. But what Jesus is doing is going back and saying, have a look at God's intention though. What's God's will for marriage? Okay. I just wanted to quote one more thing, and this was 200 BC, a Jewish teacher called Joshua ben Sira. he said this, if she, that's the wife, go not as you would have her go, in other words, she doesn't do what you want her to do, cut her off and give her a bill of divorce. Now, um, if she's not acting the way you want her to for any reason, cut her off. But it's that cut her off, which is a reference to Genesis 2.24. The two shall become one flesh. So the, the divorce is actually a cutting away. It's a, it's a division of something which should not be divided. And so what Jesus is pointing to is God's intention, and he's saying this. From the beginning of, God, of creation, firstly, God made male and female. And the two, male and female, come together to be married. So do not... Uh, do not tear apart what God's joined together. Okay. Jesus lifts the conversation because you see the Pharisees and we are the same, are always looking, yeah, but what about this? What about that? What about if this happens and then that happens and then this happens? 
And he says, right, just stand back, understand God's intention. Okay? Two sexes, male and female, to be married so that they are no longer two but one. And marriage is to be permanent. What God has joined together, let man not separate. So divorce is an allowance, but not a command. Does that, does that clear? Okay. Now, oh, just notice this. Jesus is agreeing with John the Baptist. Okay. Later, the disciples are with Jesus privately and they ask about, can you tell us more? It's interesting that he doesn't say this publicly. He just says this to the disciples, which means this is a word of understanding for, uh, the, for, for God's people. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Now, first you've got to notice it's both ways. There's an equality there, isn't there, between men and women. Uh, it, it, in, in either case. And Jesus brings in the command, which is one of the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery, doesn't he? And he's saying divorce leads to adultery. So let's, we've got to, this, it, it, if this has got you squirming in your seats, it's, it's the law of God. It's, it makes us think. And, and we, we also know that when it comes to relationships and relationship breakdowns and sexual uh, immorality, that we are all guilty. Is that true? Um, have we ever had a relationship breakdown with somebody else? Well, the answer is we all do. Okay. Now, this command, you shall not commit adultery, has a positive side, doesn't it? Be faithful. Love as God loves. That's the, that's the upside of the command. Because that's who God is, that what, that's what God's like, isn't he? God, God is faithful to his people. And so the same God in the book of Malachi says, I hate divorce. Why would God say I hate divorce? Because he is a God of love and eternal faithful relationships and he is the God who stays faithful to us. Do you get that? That's why God would say that. And also, uh, I've often said, if you're a person who's been through divorce or you've been around people of divorce, I think you would say, I hate divorce too. Everybody would say it, true? Yep. What we need to be able to do with this passage as a church is this. We must be able to say this. Divorce is not God's intention. True? Even if we've done it. Just like I could say, well, I've never been divorced. I can say that. Okay. Wow. Yay. How good am I? Uh, uh, um, Lying is wrong. I have lied. I can say lying is wrong even though I've done it. Do you understand? The commands stand true. Our failure to the commands is beside the point. Jesus, we know, has brought a forgiveness to sinners. Is that true? On this command and on every other command. So as Christians, we know that there is forgiveness 
we have all sinned. And Jesus, through faith in him, has removed our sin and given us his righteousness. We actually see an example of this, and there's a number in Scripture of sexually immoral people who come to Jesus. And one is a woman at the well in John 4. And in that passage, she's been married and divorced five times. Is it five? It's at least that many times. Five times. And now she's living with another bloke she's not married to. And do you know Jesus doesn't even condemn her of that sin? Right? He, he doesn't have a go at her, but he does tell her about the Messiah, who he is, and that if she comes to him, she'll have living water. Yeah? That, that's good, isn't it? There's a lot of stories like that in the Gospel. So what we see in this is God's law for marriage stands firm. Our sin doesn't change the command. We all stand guilty, but the forgiveness comes through Jesus Christ. Okay? We are not forgiven because we get given a permit or a certificate or because we say, in essence, sin's okay. That's not why we forgive. You understand? If you can, there's two ways you can come. If you're faced with sin, just say, oh, Jack says to me, you lied. I've got two things I can say, knowing in my heart that I have lied. I can say, no, I didn't really lie because of this, this and this and try and twist things around, or I can say, yeah, it's true, I lied. I'll only ever say it's true, I've lied, if I know that there is a forgiveness there. If I know that there's a fist waiting from Jack because I've lied, I'm not going to admit to it. Does that make sense? We will only confess our sins to God if we know that the wrath of God has been taken by Jesus on the cross once and for all. Otherwise, you'll, never, you'll have to be always hiding from your sin and saying, I'm not that bad, I've never done anything wrong. Can you see that? So this, the certificate thing as a way of justification doesn't help. It's, that was the Pharisees in that case saying, I'm justified myself. I'm righteous by myself. What we can do as Christians is admit to our sin, trust in Jesus for forgiveness, and then know there is no condemnation by that very law which stands against us and we say to be true. Is that clear? Otherwise, if I preach about divorce, there'll be two groups of people in the room. There'll be those who say, well, I'm not divorced, so I'm righteous. And their pride will kill them. You understand? They commit a sin of thinking that their righteousness before God is based on the fact that they haven't sinned. And then you'll have the other group in the room who will say, well, I have, so I'm a failure. And neither are right. Okay? The first need to hear Jesus' word about a woman caught in adultery, you who are without sin throw the first stone. And that makes us all shut up. We've got nothing to say. Yep. The others need to hear the word of forgiveness that comes to those who confess their sin. This is clear. It's the heart of the gospel, really. Okay. Now, where does this all come from? Understand this. We have a God 
who has joined himself with humanity in Christ Jesus. He has become one flesh with us. Yeah, because the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. And we are joined to Christ when we believe in him and we see in him a covenant love. Covenant is that marriage word we use. A covenant love where he joins himself to us and says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He has divorce because of his... He, look, I said this yesterday to, when we had a coffee shop here. God will never divorce you. Do you hear that? He's never going to say, I'm sick of you. I've had enough. I'm annoyed by you. I have this annoyance or embarrassment. God will not do that. He has joined himself with you in Christ and he will not leave you. Is that good news? That's really good news, isn't it? In Jeremiah 31, 32, it says this. Even though the people, even though you people have disobeyed the covenant, it says, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. He's a husband to us. And Jesus is called the husband of the church, isn't he? The lamb and his bride. He is the bridegroom in so many of the stories. And he's a bridegroom who's coming back for his church. And not only that, he has washed her and cleansed her as white as snow. So Jesus doesn't just say, look, I'll take you and I'll put up with you like a grumpy old husband. He cleanses us and washes us so we're perfect. Now the cleansing and the purity, because you see, purity is what comes when you think of sexual sin. You see, uh, adultery, sexual sin, divorce, they all create unholiness, not just in fact, but in feeling. People who have sinned in such way feel dirty, don't they? Don't we? There's a defilement, a guilt, and it runs very deep to the core of the person. Jesus washes us to the core. Sexual sin does not separate you from God. He washes us to the core. He washes us of all our defilement. He cleanses us so we are white as snow. That means all the sin's gone. Do you get that? And he will never leave us again. If Jesus could divorce us for any and every reason, he would have a long list. He does not. In fact, if you go on in Jeremiah, just after in the, in what's called the passage about the new covenant, it goes on and says this, For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. This is what the Lord says, He appoints the sun to shine by day and decrees the moon and the stars by night who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name. Only if these decrees vanish from sight, declares the Lord, will Israel ever cease from being a nation before me. Okay, what he's saying is, the sun comes up each morning and it goes down in the night and then the moon comes up and the stars rise and also the sea has waves. That's my, that's my command to the sea, to the sun and the moon. If that were to stop, then you could know that God could leave you. Okay, don't get all worried that the sun's not going to come up or the waves are going to stop in the sea. 
What he's saying is, my covenant is more certain with you, I will never leave you or forsake you, than it is that the sun will rise this morning. You can be absolutely sure of it, more sure than creation itself. Okay. Then we're going to go to the, the next passage. Immediately Jesus goes on to talk about Jesus' acceptance of children. It's actually a natural progression that comes out of marriage. That's generally where children come from. True? And Jesus was very angry with the disciples for not allowing the children to come. It's funny that, isn't it? They wouldn't let the children come, but they let the Pharisees with all their crazy questions come. (laughs) Yep. Let the self-righteous people come, but not the children. Anyway, that's beside the point. And Jesus said, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Okay, what does it mean then to receive the kingdom of God like a child? Because if you don't receive the kingdom of God like a child, you will not enter it. That's a big statement. If you have a child, and we've got children here today, I would say this. If you offered them a lolly right now, they would take it. They might say thank you, they might not. We can't guarantee that. But they would take it. I'd also say that if you gave them that, they probably are not going to say, I would say, Judy's probably not going to say, look, I'll pay you back for that one day. I'll make that up to you. Yeah? When you give them presents, when you give them anything, what do they do? They take it as their own. None of them question it. They receive it like a child. Do you get that? Yeah? They just go, righto, thanks. And I'm eating that. Or I'm playing with that. Okay? And they enjoy, they enter into that blessing. However, have you ever noticed that with adults, that when you give them something... They don't simply receive it. They feel like they've got to give you something in return. Because that's what Jesus is talking about. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. It's about how we receive the kingdom of God. That we should receive it like a child. Because God has forgiven us through Jesus. We've said that. He has made us clean. Not so that we could pay him back, as if we ever could. Okay? Imagine if we said to God, look, I'm really thankful for Jesus, but I'll try and square the ledger one day. Well, then we are, what are we making his salvation and death out to be? You can't earn it. God, it's not like, I'll pay you back. You, you understand what I'm saying? God, God's given me to me, I owe him back. I'll work the rest of my life to try and square it up. No, never. We have sinned, and today, if we talk about, I'll go back to, we've talked about issues of sexuality and marriage. We come face to face with the fact that we are not faithful like God. Is that true? None of us are. And still, God has forgiven us and loved us beautifully and faithfully. So, what should our response be? As a little child, receive it. And then, no, 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 
receive it. It, take it, enjoy it, live in it. Accept the fact that we are saved and loved by God because that's what he is like. That will give you the greatest peace. If you think in your head like an adult, I'm going to need to pay him back, I'm going to need to do some good to earn what he's done for me, Right? You'll live in turmoil, you'll never be sure, and let's face it, if you were as perfect as you think you could be for the rest of your life, you still fall so far short of the glory of God, you'd be a failure. What I'm saying is, when we receive the kingdom, we live without condemnation of the law for this or any other sin. We know that he loves us. Not because we deserve it, but because that's what he's like. And as sure as the sun's going to come up tomorrow morning, that love will not be taken away from us. So we receive the, the kingdom as a child. And know this, this is for us. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for the gift of your forgiveness. And Father, I pray that you would teach us to receive and that we would live in the joy and the peace of knowing that we are only Christians because you have loved us and because you have cleansed us. And so, Father, I pray that this would cause us to be like that woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears. That the one who has been forgiven much would love much. I pray that we would be men and women who just simply love you because of your love for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.